0: If we're just waiting for the first patient to show symptoms in these other countries, it's too late. Welcome
1: to Global Dispatches, a podcast for the foreign policy and global development communities and anyone who wants a deeper understanding of what is driving events in the world today. I'm your host, Mark Leon Goldberg. I am a veteran international affairs journalist and the editor of UN Dispatch. Enjoy the show. Looking for a trustworthy podcast to bring you unfiltered viewpoints and experiences on global health? Tune into Global Health Matters, the podcast that connects silos and amplifies diverse voices to give you a holistic picture. Each month, Dr. Gary Eslanyan from the World Health Organization hosts discussions with guests spanning former ministers of health, award winning journalists and authors, and frontline public health workers. Join listeners from across 180 countries for an exciting season four, launching in June. Global Health Matters is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. At time of recording, there are two ongoing outbreaks of Marburg virus disease, one in Tanzania and the other in Equatorial Guinea. Marburg is in the same family of diseases as Ebola and is extremely deadly. According to the World Health Organization, it has a case-to-fatality ratio of up to 88%. Humans can become infected through contact with fruit bats and, like Ebola, is transmissible between humans through contact with bodily fluids. Since March 21st, Tanzania has confirmed eight cases of Marburg, including five deaths. But there have been some indications that the outbreak there is more or less under control. This is not the case on the opposite side of the continent, in Equatorial Guinea, where there are more confirmed and probable cases spread throughout the country. Joining me to discuss these outbreaks is Dele Ogunshayton, a professor of population health and disease prevention at the University of California, Irvine, and a visiting professor at Stanford University's Center for Innovation in Global Health. He also leads the training and empowerment objective for a USAID project called One Health Workforce Next Generation. We kick off discussing the history of Marburg virus, before having a longer discussion about these two outbreaks and what can be done to stop Marburg from spreading further. These outbreaks, particularly the one in Equatorial Guinea, has the global health community somewhat on edge at the moment, and this conversation will give you useful context for understanding these outbreaks as they unfold in the coming weeks. Now, here is my conversation with Dele Ogunshayton, of the University of California, Irvine, and Stanford University's Center for Innovation in Global Health.
0: Mabog is an extremely dangerous virus, just like Ebola, that more people may be familiar with because we had an Ebola outbreak in West Africa not too long ago. Mabog was discovered through people who are infected after having visited a site where the virus is endemic in animal populations. It is known to be endemic in fruit bats, particularly the Egyptian fruit bat in Africa. And so when people contact animals that are infected, whether it's their feces or their urine or blood, they are likely to also be infected by Marburg virus. And so it is one of the most contagious and deadly viruses because mortality rate is very high. How common are Marburg
1: outbreaks in recent years?
0: We may never know the answer to that because people do die quickly. And if the contagion is limited, we may not know that there was an outbreak. So if it's limited to a family that's a little bit isolated, we may not know. But I think having a decade with outbreaks is maybe one too many. So, especially for something so dangerous, but somehow it seems to self limit. I think because of the way that human to human interaction is necessary, it's not like COVID where people sneeze and it's transmitted through the air. So we may not know if there are very short lived infections in isolated populations, but it's still concerning. So the reason I'm speaking with you about this
1: is that there are two ongoing outbreaks of Marburg, one in Equatorial Guinea, the other in Tanzania. These are like very far away from each other. So is it like a coincidence to you that there are two concurrent outbreaks if indeed Marburg outbreaks are not commonly identified?
0: I think it's a problem for research to solve, and that research is ongoing now, looking at the genetic fingerprint of the viruses that have been isolated in Tanzania and comparing them to the viruses in Equatorial Guinea. I think they are independent viruses. I think the research is likely to show that the outbreaks emerged separate from one another, which it's not too unusual because the bat populations in both countries can harbor the virus, and all it will take is for people to encounter those bats and have a spillover event occur independently. The counter argument to that is that maybe food resources for the bats is shrinking, climate change, weather conditions are different. And bats do migrate and move. And so, the only way that one would confirm that there is a linkage between the Equatorial Guinea outbreak and the Tanzania Guinea is either to show that the bats have migrated from one country to another or that people who are infected have moved from. Equatorial Guinea to Tanzania, for example, or vice versa. I do think that the chances of those alternative explanations may be more remote than the idea that these are independent outbreaks that emerged because people in those two countries encountered infected bats. And the reason that's more likely is that in between the two countries, there are lots of opportunities for other people to be infected in countries in between, and we haven't seen that yet. But just because we haven't seen that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Like I said, people tend to die very quickly after infection, and if it's not fully diagnosed, we'll never know if it's Marburg or something else. So
1: I take it that Marburg is transmitted in a way similar to Ebola contact with bodily fluids of of infected people. And it's my understanding, just reading the latest from the World Health Organization and from reports, that the outbreak in Tanzania is seemingly somewhat contained, whereas the one in Equatorial Guinea is probably not. Is that your sense in reading the data so far?
0: That's what I've read as well, and th- there are lots of reasons why that may be so. One of the goals of our project, One Health Workforce Next Generation, is to train people in Well, we have. Tanzania is a partner in the African One Health University Network, and if you have personnel that can recognize the likelihood of spillover, respond to pandemics relatively quickly or outbreaks relatively quickly, and you have the laboratory capacity to diagnose, you have quarantine facilities, you may be able to limit an outbreak so that it doesn't become too widespread. I don't know enough about the situation in Equatorial Guinea and if the index patient is in a remote area, it's difficult for healthcare personnel to implement any control measures in that part, then it will likely spread more quickly and more widespread than in a situation where there is trained personnel and access to equipment and care and public information, right? So it's warning people about situation and giving them information about how to protect themselves. So there are so many competencies that need to align to stop something like this from becoming a national or regional threat. And any one of those points could be the weakest link in a chain of events, and then things can spiral out of control. But it's interesting to watch the two countries now, and particularly also the neighboring countries because borders are porous. And we need to make sure that we provide support for countries that may be struggling and learn from the countries that are doing well in containing the infections.
1: And as you noted, it does seem that Tanzania has the capacity that you described to identify and test and confirm cases and do the kinds of isolation that seems to be required to stop the transmission, whereas Equatorial Guinea is struggling to that end. And it's also my understanding that within Equatorial Guinea, there are cases that are geographically dispersed throughout the country. Is that right? Like, what do we know about the cases in Equatorial Guinea thus far?
0: Yeah, that would be a a major logistic challenge if the the cases seem to be in, in different parts of the country and without the ability of healthcare providers to reach populations that are clustered in different parts and deploying the same resources one after the other will not do it. You have to have the capacity to simultaneously deploy the interventions to make a difference. But I don't know right now what Equatorial Guinea is accepting in terms of experts from outside the country to be able to provide support. There are many people and I'm not among those people who can be rapid response, you know, wear your protective gear and going to remote places. But there are people like that in the world who are trained and uh, maybe ready to go. And we need more people trained in that kind of emergency response. Uh, Well, every country should develop the capacity, but if they can't in the time that's needed, that the world community of experts ready to go to support that kind of dispersed response.
1: So one of the reasons that the world seems to be getting much better at containing Ebola, which is similar in structure and is a cousin of Marburg, is that there is now an effective Ebola vaccine. And when there is a confirmed outbreak of Ebola somewhere, local health authorities, along with international partners and the World Health Organization, can often conduct what's known as ring vaccination, right? Whether you vaccinate contacts and, and contacts of contacts to prevent the spread, in that case, of Ebola. Now, it's my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, that there are... Trial vaccines, candidate vaccines of Marburg. Is there any sense that these trial vaccines may
0: be deployed in this case? I think, first, many of us think that we have waited too long to get a Marburg vaccine ready to deploy in situations such as this. My understanding is that the WHO has a list of candidate vaccines, but not all of them have been proven in clinical trials. And it's very dangerous to use something that has not been approved for such clinical trials in a real life situation, because we can do more damage than the native virus itself. So yesterday the Center for Disease Control issued an alert that included the statement that there is no current Fda approved vaccine for Marburg virus so I think we have to know that people who are in positions of authority and policy making are careful in issuing such a statement if something is really ready to go and to be used in a situation that's evolving like this one I think the case will be made but clearly there isn't any But I should also point out that it's vaccine and the ring deployment of vaccine to isolate an infected population center is very effective intervention, right? Theoretically it should work, but there are other kinds of intervention. During the Ebola outbreak in West Africa, everybody was concerned that Nigeria would be a disaster zone. But because of investments in field epidemiology training and workforce that's ready to go and the healthcare system that's prepared, I think we didn't see that happen. And a lot of credit was given to all the field epidemiology training that the Nigerian health workforce went through and the government was able to deploy pretty rapidly. But that and a vaccine together will make sure we don't have weaknesses in vulnerable populations and countries that just because of economic circumstances are not able to invest so much in equipment that in their minds will just sit because they're not having outbreaks. But remember, even the United States, we had to scrambled to get PPE and gloves during the COVID. You know, we had the money, but people didn't think we needed to just stockpile things. And so there are these other ways of making sure that the response is quick enough when we either don't have a vaccine that's ready to go or vaccines are in short supply, that there are other things we can do, including public education, that may help in this situation with MABO.
1: So, you know, you made a really good point that Nigeria did not experience huge Ebola outbreaks during the West Africa outbreak of Ebola because of previous investments made in epidemiology. Like, for example, I know that it's like polio surveillance program is kind of retrofitted for Ebola surveillance and, you know, huge country, crowded cities, very little Ebola. It was like a success story. But I, how concerned are you? That Equatorial Guinea does not have that capacity, that Cameroon nearby might not have that capacity, that like Gabon might not have that capacity. In general, like how concerned are you that this current Marburg outbreak may get worse and, and keep getting worse and metastasize in a way?
0: Well, I am concerned. And I think we should all be concerned, particularly because we only usually see what I consider the tip of the iceberg when we have these reports. And we're three months into the year and we have two countries and we don't know exactly how they both now have outbreaks. My guess is there are other cases in other countries besides these two, we just don't know it. And the countries that you named You know, I'm sure the ministers of health know about this situation, but it's also the Ministry of the Environment and Wildlife that need to be on alert, monitoring bat populations, bat feces with personnel who know what to look for. This is what we've called integrative One Health surveillance and the WHO's field epidemiology training program, the tripartite, which have been part of the technical advisory group, is really now eager to push this kind of integrative surveillance out to countries for training and for capacity development, because you're right. If we're just waiting for the first patient to show symptoms in these other countries, it's too late, because then that patient will not be the only one and will be just chasing patients all over the place. But we need to be able to identify where things have spread before large numbers of people start dying. So
1: in the coming weeks, are there any indicators that you'll be looking towards that will suggest to you whether or not the Marburg outbreak, particularly in Equatorial Guinea and in that region of West Africa, is getting worse? Or if it's becoming contained, like what sort of indicators or signs are you looking towards in the coming days and weeks? I will suggest to you how the situation may evolve?
0: yeah, for for global health, uh, when people start dying, it's already too late. Uh, so the indicators will be that the country is accepting aid in terms of personnel who could monitor wildlife and populations in remote places. if they don't have trained people. I'm sure there are brave foreigners who could come in and help that situation. So if they're politically resistant to that kind of help, that will be a concern to me. But if they have the will to deploy people, to monitor the population in remote areas, to look at bad populations, to invite investment in equipment that can provide the sort of you know there's no cure for marburg, it's fluids, isolation, and care that they reserve facilities to do that. If none of that is happening right now, we're in trouble, particularly the people in Equatorial Guinea, I think will continue to live in fear, and every death will become suspicious. I mean, there are symptoms of Marburg that may look like malaria, and it will just so confusion in the population. So assuring the population through public education and health campaigns will be a good indicator that the country is willing to stop this in its tracks.
1: On that political question, I mean, have you seen any indications that President Obiang, for those who aren't aware, he's the president of Ecuador, Guinea? is like the longest serving president ever. He or his family has been in power since like the dawn of time in Equatorial Guinea. Is he acting responsibly thus far?
0: Well, politicians in many African countries become complacent because they've been in power too long. And I I think this is a problem for the African population to solve because you need fresh ideas. Anybody who's been in power so long, to me, raises a lot of suspicions that they're effective.
1: You alluded to this earlier, but I'd love to have you flesh this out a little bit. The relationship between climate change and Marburg virus outbreaks, is there a direct relationship that you can identify or deduce?
0: There have been many, many ideas about the impact of climate change. And I'm actually quite wary of attributing every new health threat to climate. Climate theoretically can affect outbreaks like this, particularly as it influences the interaction between people and animals and the environment. And it's not that hard to see that if there is a drought, the bats go, look for food in other places, there are strong research studies about the migration patterns of fruit bats and the range of their activities. I don't know that there's been a lot of data on how changing climate affects bat populations in this part of the world. But to me, that will be the likeliest explanation if forests and fruit bearing trees changing their season of producing fruit and bats are having to either encroach in human attics and sheds and things like that. Then the contact between humans and infected animals may become more frequent and There are ongoing research projects to understand that interaction between climate and that middle point between humans and animals, whether we're hunting them for food ourselves because we we don't have access to other resources, or that the animals are getting closer to human habitation because they don't have ready access to the food resources that they have. So that interaction has been going on since humans have <laughs> arrived on the planet. So it's, it's not new, but it also can produce diseases that are uh, emerging and new diseases that we never knew. You know, Mabog is relatively new in human scientific understanding. Today, there may be new viruses emerging because of changes in human movement and animal movement that we'll be recognizing in you know 10 years from now. So this is a constant moving goalpost and battle, if you will. But if we didn't have climate change, adding to that complexity, I think we would have an upper hand. But the uncertainty of climate and how it's affecting the dynamic interactions really makes it difficult for planning. But we now have to include that as part of the considerations.
1: Dele, thank you so much for your time. This was very helpful and and timely, and hopefully this will be contained, but uh, we'll certainly monitor this as the situation evolves. Thank you.
0: Absolutely, thank you, Mark.
1: Thank you for listening to Global Dispatches. Our show is produced by me, Mark Leon Goldberg, and edited and mixed by Levi Sharp. If you have questions or comments, please email us using the contact button on globaldispatchespodcast.com. Before you go, do take a moment to show your support for the show by becoming a premium subscriber. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, you can do so with a couple taps of your thumb if you're listening elsewhere, you can go to patreon.com globaldispatches global dispatches. We rely on support from listeners to continue to do what we do far into the future. And by becoming a premium subscriber, you will unlock access to our entire archive of hundreds and hundreds of episodes. Please rate or review the show on Apple Podcasts.